This is Marianne Kolbesek-McGee, Managing Editor of Healthcare Info Security. Today we're talking with Eric Calperthwaite, Chief Information Security Officer at Providence Health and Services in Seattle, about the results of our 2012 Healthcare Information Security Today survey. We'll be discussing the issues of encryption, authentication, and mobility. Thanks for joining us today, Eric. Thanks, Marianne. When it comes to steps that organizations plan to take this year to prevent breaches, 41% mentioned that encryption of all mobile devices and removable media, while 35% mentioned implementing encryption for all end-user devices. With all the publicity about breaches involving lost and stolen devices, is the healthcare industry finally moving towards more universal use of encryption, do you think? And what encryption steps is your organization taking, Eric? That is a great question, and I think the Sutter Healthcare lawsuits that bombarded the healthcare industry about a year ago are a significant catalyst in this whole thing because it brought to the forefront that this is probably our single biggest security risk from a financial perspective. The Sutter Healthcare had a desktop stolen out of an office, had about 4.2 million patient records on it, and they have a class action lawsuit brought against them for $1,000 a record, which amounts to $4.3 billion class action lawsuit. That's a big deal. So people are thinking about this a lot, especially because of all of the breaches and health and human services doing uh, resolution agreements and stronger enforcement and that kind of thing. But then seeing Sutter slammed with a multi-billion dollar lawsuit, that was a catalyst. So uh, are we moving towards universal encryption? I think we are going to see a continued increase in use of encryption over time. I don't know that universal is the right word, but I think the default standard practice or standard of care for my healthcare listeners is going to be encrypt any device that contains patient data and could leave your physical control. Since uh, since about 2006, actually, we have required that all devices that leave a Providence facility and contain confidential data be encrypted. So essentially all laptops, tablets, backup tapes that go off-site, et cetera, have been encrypted since 2006. What we've done in light of the evolving risk that the Sutter lawsuit brought to light is we've, we've created criteria for determining risk related to the loss of desktop devices and have encrypted any of those that were determined to pose high risk to Providence as well. So so essentially any desktop that contains patient data that would meet the threshold of having to report to HHS if it were stolen has been encrypted. Our survey also found that 65% encrypt information that's sent outside their organization across exposed networks, and 58% now encrypt mobile devices. Why aren't those numbers higher, do you think? One thing that we ought to think about is the the survey included 
many different types and sizes of healthcare organizations. And I suspect that the small physician clinics are not doing that sort of thing right off the bat, which, of course, makes sense. You wouldn't expect a physician clinic that had maybe three physicians and 10 other employees to really be running encrypted email capabilities or mobile device management or any of that sort of thing. So, so I think some of it is about the organization's size and scope. And then I think some of it is has to do with the fact that mobile devices as a means of managing and transmitting confidential data is a pretty new thing. It's only been, if you think about it, it's the iPhone, which really revolutionized mobility, only appeared in 2008. And it only became a significant platform being used for computing purposes in the last two years. Uh, not just iPhone, obviously, but also uh, Android-based devices and, and Microsoft-based devices and so forth. It's only been the last couple of years, and we've only been talking about uh, mobility as a significant issue and strategy for the last couple of years. So I think the fact that we're 58% encrypting mobile devices is actually pretty good given all of that. A smaller percentage of those surveyed are applying encryption to backup tapes, desktop PCs, mobile storage media, and servers. How should organizations go about prioritizing encryption projects? Security programs in healthcare, according to HIPAA security rule and high-tech, are supposed to be risk-based, and they're supposed to be appropriate to the size and scope of the organization and the risk the organization faces. So I think we should go with that as a starting point, that uh, deciding whether you're going to encrypt your backup tape ahead of your desktop PCs, as an example, is should be about the risk that your organization faces. The first thing we, we did a couple of years ago when we decided that we needed to move beyond encrypting laptops and tablets was to do a risk assessment around mobile storage devices, so the USB thumb drives and that kind of thing, backup tapes, desktop PCs, servers that aren't housed in Tier 1 data centers, etc. We did an assessment of our risk, and that gave us opportunity to prioritize which of those we should do first. And I think that's what, that's what people need to do is, are they more likely to have a significant impact because they have unencrypted mobile storage devices, you know, the, the USB thumb drives, and one of those gets lost or stolen, or are they more likely to have a problem because a desktop PC containing all of their patient records was stolen after a bad guy broke the front window of their office? You know, they need to take a look at that, and then they can prioritize where they should be spending time, effort, dollars on their security efforts. Moving on to another topic of our survey, strong authentication of those who access patient records can play an important role in preventing inappropriate access to confidential information, but the use of authentication beyond username and password is relatively rare, according to the survey. For example, 21% are using digital certificates, and 16% are using one-time passwords 
with two-factor authentication, such as a token of some sort. Meanwhile, use of biometrics is also relatively rare. What will motivate more organizations to strengthen authentication of clinicians and others who access these records? So before I tackle that, I think I should mention that I think the idea that strong authentication is how we prevent inappropriate access is is not necessarily accurate. It depends really on whether we're, in my view and my experience, whether we're talking about access that is internal to the organization. So, you know, one of my nurses inside the hospital logging on to a workstation that is owned by Providence and is accessing our EMR. Uh, that's, that's one use case that we need to think about. And another use case that we need to think about is a physician who is affiliated with us in some fashion and has access to our medical record system, but they're doing so from their own office across the public Internet. Two entirely different use cases, and you need to think about what you're going to do in each of those situations. I think part of the problem here is that we generically, folks in the healthcare industry, have chosen to have the same authentication approach for all of the various use cases to patient information rather than looking at the different use cases, the risks involved, and what will be appropriate to manage and control those risks. That's sort of my first set of thoughts. Second set of thoughts, just looking at the use of biometrics being relatively rare, we've sort of discovered that biometrics can lead to unintended grounds. I know of a, of a hospital where they were using proximity devices, which is similar in concept to using biometrics, and, uh, and it would log you on and off as you approached the workstation. And the employees discovered that if they put a styrofoam cup over the proximity sensor, then they would no longer be logged off every time they walked away from the workstation. So you walk in that hospital, and every single workstation has a styrofoam cup over the uh, prox sensor. So what happens when you use biometrics and proximity sensors for strong authentication is it's painful to your employees, and so they uh, find ways to work around it. So just something, I think that's why we don't see biometrics and that kind of thing with much uptake. What will it take to get us to strengthen authentication in those use cases where it should be strengthened? I don't think there's been very much evidence presented to healthcare organizations yet that inappropriate access by malicious actors is a big problem except for internal snooping. We aren't seeing evidence yet that bad guys are out there trying to break into our EMRs and uh, harvest uh, patient information. Now, that may change. If it changes and there's some well-publicized breaches, then we're going to start seeing changing set of attitudes about this. The survey also shows that 27% of organizations are offering patients access to certain records through a portal, but 35% have a portal in the works. 
As portals become more common, what steps do you think organizations should take to help ensure privacy by verifying patient identity, but without making it too difficult for patients to use the portal? And what is your organization doing in terms of developing a portal strategy? I'm not sure that I've actually thought a lot about this personally, primarily because it falls in the realm of some other roles within my organization. But I would say that doing the work that I do, that portals require that, obviously, that we do know who they are. And the simplest way to do that is probably to have them answer some questions, a series of questions that only they should know that we can validate. And our access to our bank's online portal for example, uses a very similar strategy. Uh, So I think that we should also be considering looking at what other industries have done when they needed to create customer portals and using those strategies uh, since they likely have uh, worked the bugs out and have made them effective and found the balance between appropriate security and ease of access. So... I guess my uh, short answer after that long-winded reply is there's questions only the patient can answer. Let's use those as a way to validate who they are, and let's look at what the strategies that other industries, retail and financial sector, for example, have used in their customer portals. As far as whether we have a portal strategy, yeah, we're working on a patient portal strategy. We have some things in place already, and we'll have more in place as time goes on. Since it's not really my area of expertise or my domain of authority, I I don't think that I really want to speak beyond the fact of saying that, yes, we're doing some of that sort of work. The survey shows that 58% of organizations allow physicians and other clinicians to use their personal mobile devices for work-related tasks. Of those that allow use of personal devices, about half of the survey respondents have taken steps to prohibit storage of patient information on the devices, requiring strong passwords, requiring use of automatic timeout, requiring installation of remote wiping capabilities, When it comes to bring your own device, what do you see as the most important steps to ensure that data is secure? There's really three significant things that you need to do. The the first one is you need to decide what you will and will not allow. You need to establish policy. You need to have a policy that says clearly we will allow this, we won't allow this. If we do allow this, then here are the ways that we will protect our confidential information, the ways that we will protect our employees who choose to use our personal devices, the things that we will require of them. So you got to do that as a first step. And that needs to be, really, that should be a decision made at the most senior levels of your organization. You can't have somebody, say, buried in your technology organization trying to make this decision when, in fact, most of the people who want to use these devices are administrators of hospitals and running hospice systems and whatnot. So you yeah, make the decision at a business level and establish policy. And that policy needs to be clear-cut about what you will allow, who you allow, 
how you make the decisions and how you protect the organization and the employees, number one. Number two, you need to then create processes to enable your employees to do what your policy says they can do. So, so if we say that they can have a mobile device, their own personal mobile device, as long as the use of that has been authorized by their manager, then we need to build a process so that they can request it, the manager can approve it, and it can be handed over to IT for whatever technology type stuff has to happen, and we can track that it that that device is in use. You have to have those processes in place. And then lastly, you need a security control set that, that meets your policy. So if you've decided that confidential information can be on those devices so long as they are encrypted, password protected, can be remotely wiped, and the employee understands the reporting procedures when the device is lost or stolen, if those are the things you decided at a policy level, then you need a set of security controls, technical controls, that enforce that policy. So how do we make sure that the device is is actually encrypted, that it ha actually has a password, and how do we remotely wipe it in the event that it's lost or stolen, for example. So you got to have those, just to summarize really quickly, one, establish policy about your BYOD environment. Two, establish processes to implement the policy and three, establish a set of technical security controls to enforce your policy. Finally, implementing a mobile device management system ranked among the top three security technology investments for the year ahead. Is such a system becoming more critical as the use of both corporate-owned and personally-owned mobile devices continues to grow so rapidly? Yes, it is more critical. Absolutely. It's similar to if you think about, you know, a large hospital system with its tens of thousands of computers and they need to have a, an information management system that allows them to know how many computers they have, where the computers are deployed, who the users of the computers are, when the computer is going to be at the end of its life cycle and need to be replaced, et cetera, et cetera, right? We have those things for computers already, and we discovered we needed those things when we started to have thousands of these devices deployed. Well, we're seeing thousands of mobile devices out there. In an organization like mine, where we have 65,000 employees and uh, uh, 3,000 of whom are employed physicians, and then we have many thousands of affiliated healthcare providers and so forth, we are seeing literally tens of thousands of mobile devices and having a way to know who has what device, how it's connected to our networks, how it's protected, what sorts of applications are on it, what its life cycle is, all of that kind of stuff is very important and that's why people are investing in mobile device management because uh, otherwise you've spent millions of dollars on these devices and and they're supposed to be greatly enabling the business and yet you don't know how many you have, where they're at, or who has them. So mobile device management is a huge issue if you want to enable a mobile workforce and all of the benefits that that entails.
Eric, does your organization have a mobile device management system? We have one. We are in the early stages. We've enabled it against devices that we consider fairly critical, and we're in the first stages of planning for a more widespread use of it. Thanks, Eric. We've been talking to Eric Kalperthwaite, CISO of Providence Health and Services in Seattle. I'm Marian Kolbasek-McGee for Healthcare Info Security. Thanks for listening.